This is season seven of Sessions, an impossible comeback story. This podcast is brought to you by Hustler Casino and PokerAds.us. This year, we play the game smarter, with more patience, and we keep a close eye on those who have stood in our way, those who have infringed upon our journey. Doesn't matter how long it takes, we're going to make it across that chessboard. And when we do, we're coming for you, Nits. Every last one of you. Week 3 of 50. Sorry, Seth. The session. Everyone who is signed up for $4.22 a month or more at patreon.com slash DGAF poker player got a couple private drops of sessions earlier this week. Those drops automatically showed up in their favorite podcast players due to some pretty sweet technology called RSS Feed. Basically, once you sign up on Patreon, you click a few buttons and voila, you get all my content. Well over a thousand hours in total at this point. Delivered right to your favorite podcast player. And each private drop, one per week at least, automatically gets delivered to your favorite podcast player as well. You also get membership to Patron Discord, which is amazing in itself. Anyways, the Patrons know why this week is titled, Sorry Seth. It's because I did something unthinkable to Seth Curry. I might have even ended his career. No joke. And you know what? I need to say this again. Seth, I'm sincerely sorry for what I have done. The Patrons also got caught up in the rest of my life story. Everything that happened from the end of the previous Max Payne Monday, January 15th, up until the Max Payne Monday I'm about to review, January 22nd. Cliffs, for less than five bucks a month, you get lots and lots of content. Maybe consider signing up if you haven't already. Patreon.com slash DGAF Poker Player. Super easy, super cheap. Okay, let's meet the cast of Max Payne Monday, January 22nd, 2024. Seat one, his favorite seat, uh, that's Crazy Drew. Crazy Drew is a good dude. I talked in the, one of the private drops this week about how I cringe around some wealthy people. It's the opposite with Crazy Drew. He's just like me, but instead of being broken in debt, he is robusto. He is wealthy. He's made it. Fucking love this guy. I talk to him a few times a week. I love his sense of humor, and he's just a genuine dude. And honestly, kind of a role model. Yeah, come up in this world, but do not become a douche. Do not become a cringe ball. Just be fun and humble and awesome like this dude. Okay, I'm in the two seat. You probably know enough about me. Seat three is Derby Doc. That's someone who won a monthly contest on Rad Poker. And they were a sponsor. I don't know if they still are, but that's the deal. You win, you win a contest on Rad Poker. You, you, you finish at the top of the leaderboard for a month, and then they stake you. They, they, they fly you out to L.A., and they put you on the show. But I think you only get a 3K bullet 
which of course is generous for a free contest, but it's going to be tough to play in this game. This is 10-20 with a $20 big blind ante, and after the first round, it's 10-20-40 with a $20 big blind ante. So we're talking about less than 100 big blinds and a game where people open huge. They three-bet huge. They're all in with all sorts of hands. We have a bounty hand, which makes things even more wild. That's seven-deuce offsuit. If you win with that, everyone pays you 100, and the last person to fold pays you an extra 100. Um, yeah, so that's Derby Dog. He's actually a really cool dude. And, and I don't know why I said actually. Everyone that's won a contest and been on our show has been pretty cool. Seat four is Karen. I was in Vegas for the Raiders-Chargers game on December 14th. So I didn't build the lineup for that Thirsty Thursday. And it was a weird lineup that Feldman put together. And I guess the most outrageous person was this woman, Karen. And he said, do you have a spot for her? And I said, is she action? This, this is behind the scenes look at how the conversations go. Is she action? Yeah, she's action. Okay, I have a spot for her. Didn't know anything about her other than she's action, and she was outrageous, and she told Nick Fertucci to suck her tit last time they played. That, that's real. C5 is DK, the GOAT. You know plenty about this dude. Another dude who's made it, but is still humble and funny and all that. Um, and, and another guy I talked to several times a week. C6 is Lulu. Lulu is a mole. No, she's, so it's tough, man. When you're, when you're the game builder or game runner, you got to have action players. Poker's not even worth playing without action players. Start with the action players and then build around them. And at the same time, you got to protect them. No snipers ever. Nope. Snipers can either battle it out with each other in, in the small public games um, or they can learn to stop sniping and play poker as a social game. I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna get involved with that. The, you know, that's it's pretty simple to me. Well, Raver said I got this woman, and she's a DJ. She's a news reporter and a stone cold DJ. Sounds great. I'm always in the market for women on the show. I do want to have as much diversity as possible, but you got to be action. And he said she's a D-Gen. Spoiler, she's not. She's a nice person, no doubt. It was easy to correspond with, but she's a sniper. And I had booked her for two Mondays, so I'm going to give her the two Mondays. And, um, you know, if she doesn't behave more like a D-Gen, that'll be it. And people say, that's not fair. You know, it's poker. It's a sport. It's not a fucking sport. Tournaments, sure. Sport. Online, I don't even know about online. It's just fucking place for people to cheat you out of your money. But live cash is not a sport. It's a social game. Um, you can't snipe. It's just, that's just the rule in, in my games anyways. Seat seven is Nate Hill. Is Nate capable of playing very well? You know he is. Is Nate smart? Yeah. And so he doesn't snipe. He has cocktails, he fucks around, he plays shitty hands. When he's winning a bunch and someone's losing a bunch, he doesn't go for the kill. I don't know. Nate is, is very wise beyond his years. And he, he's someone I like being around. 
So that's smart. If you want to be in a game a lot, be someone the host likes being around. And, and, and it's just, uh, he's just kind of like a, an old soul in, in a young person's body. And uh, we get along very well. He's in the seventh seat. Seat eight is Dr. David Namark. Longtime listeners of Sessions know one of the most important people in my life. When I hit rock bottom in 2017, he was the first angel to come into my life. We had known each other from playing poker at Ocean's Eleven, but he, I think he saw some of my troubling writings on 2 Plus 2, and that's what made him want to reconnect. And what an angel he's been for me. He gave me a side job just to kind of steady me at rock bottom. I wanted to keep my kids in their spot, and I knew I needed to initiate a long overdue divorce. There's no judgment in that. There's no hate in that. It's just true. Sometimes divorce is long overdue, and it's no one's fault. It just happened. Um, But he gave me that side job to keep them in their spot, even though I wouldn't have one. Um, But he also let me stay at his place quite a bit. And we started a podcast called Solicited Advice Podcast when I started learning a little bit about mental health, which helped me greatly. I went the first 43 years of my life being scared of the term mental health, which is silly to me now. No one's scared of physical health. People talk about physical health all the time. Why are they so fucking scared of mental health? I don't know. It's a stigma. It's just been around. Um, yeah. And, and, and I was able to improve my mental health quite a bit. Some basic concepts like focused breathing, cognitive behavioral therapy, which is kind of just thinking rationally and thinking your way out of a, a negative emotion. And uh, you can actually change, I believe this, I believe this is accurate, you can change the chemistry of your brain by the way you think. That's not bad. That's pretty cool, in fact. Um, so, focus breathing. Anytime you're starting to feel like shit, hold it, let it out. And you can do nose in, nose out. You can do nose in, mouth out. You can do whatever the fuck works for you. The point is that you're only focused on your breath and nothing else. And it gives you a break from the storm inside your head. And then it gives you a chance to attack what's been bothering you rationally and calmly. And I started by downloading a breathing app on my phone and setting a timer for the, the time of the day I was typically most stressed out, and I would do two minutes of focused breathing no matter what. And then I'd use that app at the poker table when someone was bothering me, or I took a bad beat, and it helped. And I, and I shared this with other people. It's helped them. My kids both do it. It's uh, focused breathing is the nuts. David says if you can remember to do it when you start to feel bad in any way, you don't have any use for Xanax. It, it'll calm you down. Um, and... That's cool. When I learned that, I wanted to share it with others and I wanted to uh, give back to David for being so generous to me. And that's when I started uh, that podcast, Solicited Advice Podcast. I wanted to help him get this information out to the world. I already had an audience from my writings on 2 Plus 2 and that's when I became a podcaster. I I never even listened to podcasts, but uh, people said they liked it and then I started sessions. No plans for making any money from it and uh, 
yeah, the, the rest is not only history, but documented history on that RSS feed. So it's interesting playing with David. He's so well off in life. Another great example, another role model, right? Of someone who's crushed it and has 0% uh, douche to them. That, that's, that's the goal. Come up, but don't be a fucking chump when you do. And so I got several role models at this table. Um, in the ninth seat is Nick Vertucci, co-owner of the show. And, and, and once per show, Drew says, Nick, if you didn't own this show, you wouldn't be in this game. It's true. He, he, he kind of is a sniper. Luckily, he's not like a, a super aggro sniper. And he is funny. And he is social. And he's self-deprecating most of the time. So that's the lineup. Uh, I'm going to take a sip of this sun-kissed orange zero sugar. I think this is the best diet soda, you know, beyond like Coke Zero. If you need something that's not like, you know, a cola, try sun-kissed zero. It's really good. Um, I'm going to take a sip of this. I'm going to give you a little more lead up to the session, what's going on with me, and then I'm going to get into the hands. I went in very irritable, extremely irritable. Um, I, I lead a very busy life, and I recorded two drops in the morning. Usually I only record one, but if the story has more that needs to be told, uh, I, I do more drops. That's fine. I feel good after I, I record drops of sessions. I had to get ready very quickly. However, quick shower, get dressed real quick. And I had to race to the bank because someone was upset that I hadn't deposited their checks yet. They, they had borrowed money and written me checks, and I left them in Long Beach when I went down to San Diego for the weekend, and it messed up their financial situation in some way. So I'm going to the bank. I raced there. Usually this bank by, by my place in Long Beach is pretty good. There's a long line. Great. There's a crazy, like, there's two tellers. And there's a crazy lady occupying one of them. I say crazy, and I don't mean that in a negative way. She's just completely unaware, totally self-absorbed, just telling the teller every detail about her life. She's turning it into a live fucking blog and telling her all about her vacation and, oh, can you check this balance? Can you check this transaction? Not realizing, you know, we're, we're six deep in between the ropes, and, and we got shit to do. It's fine. It's tilting, and it's fucking life. And one of the guys that was in line that got up there before me, no joke, he was in line, I don't know, 15, 20 minutes, and he got up there and said, I would like to withdraw, you ready for this? $20. Uh, I was like, huh? How would you like that, sir? A 10 and two fives. Okay, so when you're in a hurry and you, you haven't eaten yet, you haven't broken your fast and you're dealing with this lady telling one of the tellers all this shit and the other guy's nice and, and he gets up there and he's withdrawing 20 bucks. I would have given him $20 to move up in line, but eh, yeah, I don't know. So that made me a little bit uh, irritable, you know, racing there a few minutes. Tita's the best, so... I order food with her. She brings it upstairs where I can eat it in peace. And then I need to get money 
from my player's bank and I need to get drinks. Well, the week before, the waitresses got me. They fucking got me. Remember, that was all the influencers and celebrities and whatnot. And I said, uh, I'm going to get all the drinks today, you know, whether I win or lose. I'm just going to get them all, just put them all on my tab. Well, Erica Cal, who's fucking awesome, the OnlyFans star, is drinking $30 shots, and so is someone else. It's fine. I'll live with it. But I see every time the waitress brings her one of those shots or anything, she gives her 100 bucks. Okay. So if you're the waitress and someone's ordering a $30 shot and your best customer said, I got the tab no matter what, but they're dropping you 100 every time you drop off any drink, you, that tab better be zero on this day. It wasn't. I paid 500 bucks or something. Um, that tilted me. So I'm going to get my own buckets. So I'm racing up to the stage. I got two buckets of beer. I got a, a rack of chips. People are saying, can I help you? No, I got this. I was irritable. Yeah. And then I went up there with 20K and I put 3K down on the table and someone needed to borrow the other 17K. So, okay, let's go. I'm going to start with 3K. I normally buy in for more than that. Not a lot more, but more. Fuck it. I'll borrow from Nate if I lose. On to the hands. I open 9-7. It gets 4-bet. And I wrote, fuck you guys. Nate 3-bet and David 4-bet the small blind. And then... I was uh, one of the blinds. I don't even think the uh, the 40 was on yet. So I was the 20. And Karen opened to 240. And I had queen three suited. I don't know anything about her. She doesn't deserve my loose action. The 12X open is not getting called by my queen three suited. <coughs> this is something I'm making a point of this year. I don't need to be in there all the time. I want to play over 50% of hands. I don't want to play, need to play 70 anymore. If I go on a big heater, yeah, I'll ramp up to 70 or 80. And I played 83 against, you know, Ray J and Princess Love and them. But that, that felt right because they're so new to poker and I'm so old to poker. But here, I don't know anything about you. I, I fold that queen three. She had pocket aces. Okay. All right. Well, then she opened to 240 the next hand as well. Okay. Well, maybe... You know, and she showed the aces. No one can ever get aces back to back. So I, I called 230 more with a better hand for the situation. Six, four clubs. It came five, six, seven, all red. But not, not monotone. I think, you know, two diamonds and a heart or two hearts and a diamond. And I checked and she bet. And I just quickly went all in. I got a pair and open ender. I don't know anything about her. I got plenty of equity just to jam. And she actually had jack eight. So she had decent equity but had to fold. And, okay, so, so I won a pot. I flopped middle pair and went all in. But I was open-ended. And the next note is this is the slowest game. Beggars can't be choosers. So we all want to be in really lucrative poker games. Sometimes really lucrative poker games are excruciatingly slow. And that was the case here. And... Um, also feel slower when you've been on a big downswing, which I have been. And just cause you really want to turn it around. You want to start winning again and then you can handle the slowness better. Um, an interesting moment where Vertucci flopped the combo against DK and, and shoved and DK was running hot early and then he didn't see how much DK had and, and said, Oh, you can't have your chips back there. Kind of gave him a little lecture 
But it, it's so interesting here, the dynamics. So you have the owner of the show telling the number one action player, you can't have your chips here. And then I'm the game runner sitting there like, oh, fuck. Like, I'm right in the middle of this. Anyone else tries to lecture DK, I'm just, like, tackling them. Like, no, you don't get to do that. Uh, he can have his chips wherever the fuck he wants. Pay attention. But it's different with the owner of the show. And Nick really handled it well. I think he realized immediately that DK is, you know, <coughs> the GOAT of this game. And uh, he gave him a rebate of 800 and they seemed happy. But it was just kind of an interesting moment if you watched the show. Um, I was tilting pretty hard at how slow the game was going. I, I told Louis to put me on the 5-5-10 list. That's the game I host, in case you didn't know. Starts at 1 p.m. every day at Hustler. And uh, I get in there with ace, seven of spades. And it's a, uh, I think it's just a limper. I had limped and everyone limped. I limped dark, so it's a surprise to me what I have when I finally looked down. And it came 10, deuce, three, two clubs and a spade. Okay, I got five black cards. I got a backdoor flush draw. We checked to Lulu, who seems to be tight. She does not seem to be the D-gen that Raver told me she was. And she bets, last to act, and Nick calls. Nick doesn't seem very strong. She can't possibly be very strong on 10, deuce, three. What can she have? If she has a set, God bless her, but she's not gonna have any two pair combos. And it's time for me to play some poker. I check raise. And not only is it going to be tough for her to call with one pair, you never want to stack off with one pair in a limp pot. That's just any good player knows that. Well, now I'm going to present her with that possibility. And so she's got to worry about Nick behind. And then I, I love this like leverage spot. Like it's not just me you're worried about. You got a player behind that could have you beat. She ends up folding top pair. Nick ends up folding middle pair. I love this spot in poker. It's just manufacturing pots when the dealer's uh, not giving you anything. An hour in, that's it. Those are the highlights. Just nothing much. Just jamming with middle pair one time, check raising two opponents with uh, an air ball that has backdoor potential, and that's about it. Um, then I got max value. I, I flopped uh, top pair. I think I... Yeah, I had jack six on jack five, four, something like that, two clubs. And then it was like the three of clubs and then like the seven of clubs. I got max value against pocket eights. Just one thing, sometimes my biggest leak as a poker player is not betting big enough. But also I just always get action when I have a hand because I hate I hate losing people when I finally get a fucking hand. So in this case, I think I got max value. I, I bet small. In general, I just bet small. And this is stupid to say because I know people who play against me are listening. I gen, in general, I bet small with my good hands and big with my bad hands because big works. It gets folds and small gets calls. I don't know. It's, it seems logical to me. And, and being balanced in a game like this seems like insanity to me. Um, now we have a turning point. I really want to get something going. When you're on a 100K downswing, I, might, I don't know exactly how big it is, but it's close to that. Um, started in Vegas, and, and it's been going on for a couple months. Uh, you really need to 
have a big win to help you break out of it. And I was up a bunch a few weeks ago, and then I got cooler to all hell by Mia. I flopped. It, it came ace, six, five, and I had six, five suited, and she had pocket sixes, and Nate had an ace, which I knew he had an ace, and, and I lost a bunch in that hand. So that was like almost a, a way for me to end my downswing, and, but really I didn't win as much as, you know, I lost a ton in that last hand. Anyways, here's a turning point in the session. It's at 158, so there's a 30-minute countdown. We're an hour and a half into the show. Nick raises the 300 after some limps. It seems super weak to me. I don't have much of a stack, however. So three betting here out of position. I would like to, if we're deep, I would probably go to like 1,500. But we're not. I go to 800. And I don't mind this. I, I have small sizing preflop. And the reason for that in general is that I'm better at postflop than preflop. But I know King-10 suiting here is just way ahead of his range. I go to 800 and he calls. 1750 in the middle comes ace king five two diamonds i bet 250 i just kind of glitched i don't know why i bet 250 i just i think i was thinking 750 in there instead of 1750 i, I typically bet around a third of the pot in these spots and i bet 250 which it's also kind of a super exploit amount if you're against an opponent who's never going to bluff you it's okay you know with the middle pair and like no kicker and all that um, you know, it's okay. And, and it's, it's just, it's bad though. I, I just glitched. I, I would have bet more if I just didn't glitch. And so Nick calls ace king. It's ace king five, two diamonds. It turns a queen of diamonds. I pick up a gut shot with my second pair, but I don't have a diamond. Obviously I have two hearts. I check Nick bets. I'm just going to fold here. You just got to, sometimes you just got to fold with the no diamond. If he has diamonds, obviously I'm drawing dead. And a lot of hands I'm in a lot of trouble against. I fold. And Nick has already flopped three fucking sets at this point. Three. And he shows a bluff. Oh, my God. He shows 9-5 of hearts. So I was right pre-flop. Uh, and, you know, he got a nice turn card to bluff. And I, and I, I, I tilt. Overtly. I fucking tilt. And I tell Magic to deal faster. And, you know, it's like, come on, man. You have three sets. You get a perfect bluff spot. You don't need to show that. Like, you think I, I didn't, you know, but it's fine to show it too. And it's good. It's, you know, it's Max Payne Monday. You should, but it's also going to get me to tilt. And it's going to get me to do my worst play of the day. I like to typically cover my worst play and best play each session. I've been doing that not only since the start of sessions, which was 2018, that was season one, but even way before. Before No Limit even broke, I kept a journal of every session, and I always wrote down my best play and worst play when I was playing Limit Hold'em or Stud, whatever the fuck I was playing. Uh, I was already a casino rat before Moneymaker. I, I played when you could smoke ciggies at the table. Yeah. But I always wrote down my best and worst play and then other notes, and that's what this podcast is as well. Worst play is at 202.10. So a little steamed up after seeing that bluff, and I hate getting bluffed. That's the main thing, is I hate making the wrong decision. I'm competitive um, as hell. I, I, I tone it down at the table, you know, because I, I don't believe in playing it as a sport, but I'm still competitive. Like, I don't want to see a bluff. Okay, Nate raises. I call with a six offsuit six ways. It's a shit hand, whatever. You're going to call that on stream. Ace, five, deuce, two diamonds. Nate bets a third. Okay, so he either has me crushed 
Um, or he has a draw. He could have a diamond draw. And I uh, call, but, but I feel gross doing it. Turn is the five of diamonds, and now he checks. Okay, now at this point, I strongly believe I was fucked on the flop. I was outkicked. Imagine that. You're outkicked with the ace-6 offsuit. Well, this is a terrible card for Nate if he has a big ace. It's ace-5-deuce, two diamonds, the turn, five of diamonds. It's a great card for me to start bluffing, and I do. I bet small, and I'm going to bet big on the river. And he calls, and the river's a brick. It's perfect, but I'm just, like, looking across and, like, I just have, like, I just shut it down. I don't really want to. Nate's been down swinging, too. I, I need to bluff here. And I don't. I just fucking give up. Yeah, I have top pair. And Raver's saying, like, you should give up. No, I, I was turning top pair into a bluff on the turn. I, it, it's not that I was, like, finding out where I was at. There was no hands in his range that I beat when that turn card comes. So I was going to start bluffing. And I just, we do this. Everyone does this, I think, where you just give up in hands. And, yeah, if I've been crushing and Nate's, been getting crushed, it's fine to just give up. But then in that case, don't even bet the turn. And so I just kind of like, I was like, fuck, I'm borrowing money from this guy today. Like, he's been down swing. Fuck it. Like, you get to win with your better ace. It's a bad play. If you, you don't have to play your hardest every single hand, but betting the turn and not bombing the river is atrocious. And, you know, I'm going to own that, that it was, it was really fucking bad. So that's my worst play. And then I have a fucking nub stack. You know, it's 10, 20, 40 with a $20 big blind ante. And I have pocket nines and someone opens and Nick three bets. And Nick three bets quite a bit. And I just jam the nines and he has queens. And yeah, he flopped his third set of the, of the night, of the early night in less than two hours. I've never had a session like that on stream for sure. Maybe way back in the day, my first heater I did. But yeah, he stacks me. All right, Nate, I need to borrow 5K. <laughs> okay. So I reload, and I make it 140 with ace-4 suited after a limp. Normal. Okay, Karen calls. Of course she does. DK calls. Of course he does. Nate squeezes to something pretty high here. I think um, 800. And Nate's a squeezer. Most good players are squeezers. You know, when, when someone who opens over half the hands dealt to him opens and a bunch of people call that call all the time. That's a great squeeze spot by nature. Okay. So that means I have to continue here. If I had more money, I would just fucking jam here. I like that best, but I'm going to call and let Karen and DK in. <clears throat> Karen calls and DK goes all in for no reason. He could easily just call and then try and flop something and then go all in. Um, and Nate just flats for no reason. DK's all-in was just enough to, to reopen the action. And so this is a dream all-in spot for Nate, and he just flats. Okay, so it's going to cost me another 800 bucks. I, I call, Karen calls. We have 6,200 in there, four ways. I got the best hand, believe it or not. Karen had King-10 suited. It's a good hand. Danny had 6-4 suited. You know, it's a pretty cool hand. Nate had ace-3 suited. I had ace-4 suited. I flopped absolutely nothing. Shout out Sinead O'Connor. Nothing. Okay, we checked. Danny's all in. 6,200 in the middle. The turn, I still have nothing and Nate bets. Okay, this should always be something. Um, I fold and uh, 
Karen calls, I think. And uh, yeah, Karen had a parent of flesh straw. I think uh, DK had a parent of flesh straw too, and I'm pretty sure Karen won. And when I was reviewing this session, uh, what I do is the next morning, I watch it on my laptop and I hit the right arrow to go through the hands. And I saw Sandman in the chat saying, oh my God, this bet here by Nate. It's, a, it's an insane bet into the dry side pot. It, it's wild. Sia the bot did it to him one time. It was very funny. He's now done it to me and Karen. And then I just have nothing for a while. No. And then I decided I have to take a break because I am beyond grumpy, irritable. And that's no way to play poker. And the game is going so slow. And I just grab a beer and I go to my spot to hide at the Hustler. I go there after big losses. I go there to eat before... Um, a session or a commentary shift. It's, it's upstairs. It's nice. It's, it's quiet up there. I take a beer up there and just, you know, I do some focused breathing. I just try and relax. I don't know, 30 minutes goes by. That's what it felt like. Maybe, maybe it was longer. Maybe it was shorter. I don't know. And um, it's time for me to go back on stage. And what was funny is they have the game on the TV upstairs and the hand where the hand where uh, DK was swearing that he had pocket kings, uh, he had 9-3. <laughs> Offsuit. <laughs> but he swore he had pocket kings. That actually made me smile before I headed back down. Okay. Another sip, and let's talk about the second half of my session. Down about a little over 5K, two hours in. Take a break for a half hour. We got two and a half more hours to come. Um, take a sip and tell you about it. Pocket aces, it's a good hand. Um, Drew had made it 240, and I 3-bet to 1,000, and he had just lost a pot, and this seems like a good number to go to, and he folded. He folded queen-jack out. He said, do you want action? I said, sure, and he snap-folded. Fucker, I had aces. So, I don't I mean, I, I re-raise enough that when I get aces, I would like to get action, but it's okay. It's part of the downswing blues. You finally get a good hand, and the people that never fold you pre-flop are like, fuck that. Partly it's, you know, just variance, and partly you're more readable on a downswing. I raised with 9-7 suited, and Nate jams his nub stack. Motherfucker. I think he had 10s. I folded. And then Mr. Rad Poker, Chip on my left, bust his 3K buy-in. He had a rough session, and he tries to pay for some of the drinks. I said, no, you're good. He's a really nice guy, and, and he, he leaves. And he had that unlucky vibe to him. He, he's run poorly on our show the last couple times, and it was like the, the bad luck left with him. It was like a black cloud dissipated after he exited the stage, and he just had that bad luck aura to him that night. And... So what happens now? I straddle for 200. I feel like, okay, I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be fine now. It's going to be poker where, like, I'm not going to run into it every time. Straddle 200. Karen calls. Folds back to me. I got ace-deuce offsuit. Let's make it 1,100. Play a little bully ball. Just, I know you can't call. It's over 1,000. I wouldn't, I would go under 1,000 with a really good hand. I'm going over 1,000 with a bad hand. That. There it is. That's the blueprint. If you want to beat me, just anytime I bet big, it's shit. And anytime I <laughs> bet smaller, it might be a hint. 
So those seem like nothing. She folds. I don't know what the fuck she had. But she folds. And so you just win $300 for absolutely nothing. And that's what keeps me afloat. And that's, that's where my edge is. It's just stealing all the small pots. And at 309, another turning point. Seven two soft suit, the bounty hand. I three bet. Someone makes it 300. People call. I three bet to 1400. Dr. David Neymar calls in position. Okay, so it's okay. We're, we're going to have to battle here. I squeezed. There's a bunch out there. Um, we're going to have to battle. I have seven deuce off suit. Flop comes queen, 10x, rainbow. Remember when I bet 250 into 1750 against Fertucci? I just glitched. Well, I didn't glitch here. David has a little over 3K left, and I'm going to bet 1100 into 3500. This is a more sizable bet. It's going to kind of frame the hand better for me. And he calls, but he seems pretty weak. And the turn is a beautiful motherfucking card. It's an ace. For a board of queen, 10, 4, ace. And I have 7, 2. I look at that card. Look at him. One last look at his stack. And I say all in. And he quickly folds. He had nothing. He was trying to pick up backdoor equity. He had king, 5 suited. And... Not only do I win the pot, which is juicy, I made it 1400 and 1100 I win, you know, three, 3K in the pot. I also win um, 1000 or so. Combined, I win about 4000 for nothing because everyone has to pay me. Here we go. That is a turning point. Had David floated the flop with ace-x of diamonds and turned the top pair, I get stacked. So... I am one to acknowledge when I run hot in weird ways. I ran hot in a weird way here. Pre-flop, no one had anything really good. Just get, David gave me actual king five suited. And he called the flop bet with the backdoor equity because everyone's doing that these days. And the turn is the worst card in the deck for him because I can easily have an ace. And now he's just drawing to a gutter. And I'm lucky he didn't have an ace. So very fortunate. That's why it's a turning point for me. Variance on my side here. Win four thousand with nothing. Sure, it's good aggression and it's calculated and all that, but you you need the deck to cooperate, and it certainly did. I chopped a bomb pot, won a little bit there. Then I made a straight against nothing, just one nub there, and then magic gave me crabs. Yeah, give me fucking crabs. Um, and I did not flop a set. I didn't flop a set on this night. There are a couple websites that track results and VPIP and that. I wish they didn't. I don't think that's good for the game, but I understand that like they don't give a shit. They're just interested in it. Um, I wish someone would track... I guess it would be bad for the game for someone to track run good, and I, but I think we have the, we have the information now because of, because of the live streams where you can actually see how someone runs, you, you, you know, you can take all the different metrics. You can, you can take their all-in equity. You can just take their equity, um, you know, over different streets. And, and in a very important one in No Limit Hold'em is how many sets do you flop and how do you do when you flop sets? And I would just love to see what percentage of the time that I've been dealt a pocket pair, I flopped a set, and how much I've won. I, I feel like it's way below average. And I've run hot in other ways, but that's the one I would like to see. Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe I'm crazy. I don't know. Mariano flops 11 sets a session. Vertucci does. Sia used to. I guess, you know, they're better players. So, 
And mainly that was just to, you know, point out that Magic gave me crabs. I straddle to 320. So this happens sometimes. It's 10, 20, 40, the $20 big blind name, but that's not big enough. Someone puts on the 80. Crazy Drew, I say, you put on that 160, I'll put on the 320. Let's get this game out of the fucking muck. This is a big game now when the 320's on. And I think only Drew calls. And I have queen nine suited. I'm going to juice the pot a little bit. I'm not going to go huge here like I would with ace two offsuit. Nope, I got queen nine suited. It's a nice playable hand in position. Let's go 500 more. Okay, he's going to call. Get a nice flop. Queen eight four. He checks. Okay, now let's down bet. Let's down bet like an asshole, right? Let's, let's bet, you know, a little less than a third of the pot here with top pair, no kicker. 500, he calls. Turns a four. He leads a thousand. You got a four? Good for you. I call. The river is a brick. I forgot what he led, but I said, I'm just calling here. And I show my hand. I was pretty sure I was ahead, and I was. And how much did I win in this hand? I won... I won 3,300 with top pair, no kicker against nothing. This is, there's so many ways for a lag to run bad. I'm a lag, that means loose, aggressive. And I think it's safe to say that I'm that. There's so many ways to run bad, right? If you just run into an all-in hand every time. Also many ways to run good. Like that hand against David with the seven deuce. Um, and here where someone, people just want to bluff you. And, and that small sizing on the flop pisses them off because they're rich, and they want to bluff you, and um, yeah, that's nice. And then I had 10-5, queen, queen, jack. I was check, turn 10, check, river 10. Oh, I make runner, runner, boat, someone bets. I'm just going to call. There's no point in raising here. And they had king nine. Okay. Ever since Derby Doc, Chip, the rad poker guy, left, my luck has changed, and he was sitting next to me. His darkness was, was causing... Bad luck for me. And he's gone. He's a nice guy. I like him. Just telling the story. That's what I do. I tell the story in this podcast. So I raised the pocket nines. When Chip was there, I ran into Queens and got stacked. Well, not here. I get two calls and the flop comes seven high. And I bet and no one has shit. And I, and I manufacture a nice pot with the best hand here. And then I... Flop a gutter with 9-7 suited and make a quasi-disciplined fold, like a pretty automatic fold. But I could have gambled with the gutter and backdoor flush draw. I would have made a flush, a runner and a flush against a boat. Yeah, so just, you know, I would have, I would have gotten there and got wrecked. And then I have ace-queen. I just play some bully ball. I just win $1,300 with nothing. Sometimes I do that. If I'm against deep stacks and, and now I've turned over some winners... And I'm in position. It's just going to be fucking bully ball on dry textures of, well, I don't think he's got it, but he's just going to keep fucking betting it. And he would bet it if he had it. And yeah, just. Um, and then I missed the world against David. Pair open-ended plus flush draw. But it was such a tiny pot preflop. I didn't really ever bet. I didn't care to win any more of David's money. And he he rivered trips and he had me beat the whole time. And uh you know, I just won a small, I lost a small one. And that's more like, it's just more run good to lose such a small pot with like, you know, a hand that you're set up to lose more with. I just, I wasn't greedy and sometimes not being greedy, you know, saves you money. It did there for sure. Um, 
I called Karen down. Karen was pre-flop raiser, and it came queen, jack, I think six. And I had like six, four offsuit, and she bet against the field, and I re really thought she had ace-king. You know that old meme, I put you on ace-king. I put Karen on ace-king, and guess what she had? She had ace-king. Won a nice pot with bottom pair. Okay, it's, things are going my way now. And she tried to steal some money back. She tried to angle me. I love it. She's allowed to do all that shit. I'm telling you, she is. It's not malicious. It's fucking fantastic. And I got max value against Nate. Remember, I've, you, I, I like this guy, and I got, but I got to play poker against him. I'm not going to, like, target him or whatever, but, like, you know, I had 7-4 offsuit, and it came 5-5-3, five, five, and that feels like I flopped the nuts there. So I just led into him. He was pre-flop raiser. He called... And the turn's a seven, and I let again, he called. The river was a break. I let again, he called, and he had pocket sixes. So he said it was his worst play, and so it's fair. I made my worst play against him. He made his worst play against me. He said he should have raised at some point. Um, and then David, Dr. David, gives DK a break. DK also on a downswing, and he's been running bad in this session. And David, you know, rivers an ace and bets it, and then he just shows him, like, Look, fold your hand, and like if you go all in, I'm not folding, so don't try bluffing. And DK was definitely going to try and bluff there. Um, it was really cool, and I guess David got caught a bunch of shit for this in the chat. That's just... So part of it is, if you play poker in public games, and you know the vast majority of games are public and smaller, there's things... Like, you don't... No, you try and get max value when you get a hand, right? And, it, and you try... You pretty much play your hardest most, but at high stakes and this is high stakes it's it's different it's a social game no way this guy's having a terrible night and he's the goat i don't want his last fucking 12 1400 i do it all the time with him and david did it and, and they're giving david shit but no that's just it's exactly right what david did and he and david was losing too but it's exactly right it's just human it's a social game if you play it as a sport, it fucking dries up. It does. Just It's been proven. All right. It's time for another worst play? Okay, I guess I did two. At 4.06. So, half hour countdown. We've been playing for three and a half hours. That means my BAC is going to be getting up there a little bit. Nick opens, plus one. He's been running hot against me. I three-bet King Jack offsuit. I can't think of a worse hand to three bet Nick's early position open. <clears throat> like, <clears throat> sorry. <clears throat> like a suited connector, sure. You know, a, a suited ace, sure. A pocket pair, okay. I mean, it's, I'd rather just call, but yeah. King Jack offsuit's the worst. There it is. That's terrible. It's fucking terrible. And I had to fold. It was like, you know, five bet before it got back to me. Nick had ace king. Okay. And then I played a little bully ball with queen 10 offsuit against him. He's been running hot against me. Well, he had me beat, but I had nothing, but I just applied pressure and pressure. And I bet, you know, it just, it looked like I had a strong hand and I didn't. I think the board was like deuce, six, nine, deuce. And, and when I'm barreling off and that bottom card pairs, mm, I love it. I really love it because people stop drawing the two pair. And they know they're fucked. If they're, if they're losing, they're not improving. And, like, I love it. And 
I could have that. I could have that deuce the way I play. So I just, it's just a great situation. I won three thousand for nothing. Okay, this is this is a lag running hot in all the weird ways. Two pair against Karen, and she had a second pair no kicker. I got max value by massaging the pot, and then I missed and bluffed six hundred off to her. But I knew she had a draw on the flop. I didn't know she also had top pair. That's gonna happen. It's okay. But I, I, on this night, a lot less stabs, multi-way, and a lot less squeezes, and more like focused aggression in good spots. Um, and then I bluff caught Karen correctly and lost to her. She, I, I had ace high, and I just knew she was bluffing, and I called, and she had a better ace high. And this is, you get in these amazing games, you know, this shit's going to happen. People are going to bluff with hands that don't need to bluff, and they're, they're not going to bluff with hands that do need to bluff, and it's going to be confusing, and it's great. It's fucking great, it, especially when you're winning. Um, I got max value against Karen with ace-five. Ace-five offsuit, I'm in there. Queen-five-deuce, bet. Um, turn four, there's two clubs. Turn four, um, I think I checked for pot control, and there was a deuce of clubs, but I really just thought she didn't have a flush and that she, you know, couldn't beat my five, and I bet it, and she called with a four. Nice. Flop top two, ace-eight offsuit, and David led. It was ace-eight-x, couple diamonds. I just raised here. Um, you know, I'm not worried about bottom set too much, and I think he's going to have a combo, and I'm just going to raise. I'm just going to fucking charge the draw, protect my hand. Sometimes I play just very straight up. Probably most hands I do. Um, not most, but some hands I do. And then turns a break and just, you know, Put a big bet out there, and you know maybe he had the right price to call, but it's just no fun out of position. He even said like it just sucks being out of position. Like I'm not getting paid if I hit. Like just that shit. Um, so ever since Derby Dog, Mr. Rad Poker Chip, left the stage, it's all been flowing my way. You know for the most part. And um, then I got max value against Vertucci. I just. Uh, I had a jack, and it came jack high, and David bet, Nick called, and I called. Um, it was jack 4-3, and the term was a jack. They checked to me, and of course, my hand looks like a draw on the flop because I just called. Well, now I'm going to bet, but I can't bet too big. i got to keep someone around. That's Nick. He calls, um, and the river's a brick, and I got max value 1,500 with the jack against, I don't know if Nick had a 4 or a 3, but um, I wrote in my notes, did we forget to collect? I felt like we forgot to collect for the staff. I usually do it. Um, apparently, it was collected while I was gone. So that's good. I asked Louie and Tita the next day. Um, and then the show ends. And on the last hand dealt, we're going to go. We have plans to go to Koreatown on this night. So we're not going to play after stream at all. But there's one hand dealt after stream. And I flop an open ender against Nick. It comes ace. Kim, ace. Six eight, and I had seven five, and I lost a huge pot um, on the same flop the week before post stream to Randy. I, I turned the nine, and he had pocket sixes and river to boat. Um, but here, we, I, I was gambling in position with the five seven off and ace eight six, and he checked, and I bet small, and you know it's gonna keep all the and he check raised. And I was going to, my instinct was to put in the three bet. Like, we're, we are 30K deep, something like that. Like, 
I really thought he had a big ace and like he, that he couldn't keep calling if I kept bombing away. No one wants to, on the last hand of the night, lose all their profit and their buy-in and whatnot. But he didn't want me to lose either. So he's like, tell me what you have and I'll tell you what to do. And it just kind of killed momentum. I called. I had the odds to call. I turned a pair, check, check, break. I ended up winning 15000 on the night. And I played 62% of hands. And Lifetime on the show, if you go to one of those sites that tracks the, the results, I'm 60%. You know, before I played on stream, I told people, I've played more hands than I've folded. And they all said, no, nah, you haven't. I said, no, I think I have. Of course, I never tracked it. Well, I've played on the show a bunch of times now, and I'm 60% lifetime. Obviously, I play higher VPIP on the show than, than when I'm not on stream. But uh, yeah, I'm really proud of that. I'm sure my mom would be if I you know, told her. So I got three goals for 2024. I went 0 for 3 in 2023. They were too ambitious. I'm also listening to a book called Atomic Habits, which makes a lot of sense that you, you need to adjust your habits. You need to focus on your habits. The goals are great, but your habits are the ones that will affect them the most. So I have three goals that are attainable. I want to win 60% of my sessions on stream, not just because the, the, those are the times I play big each week, but um, some people, some Patrons at, at a certain tier have a piece of me. Uh, every time I play on stream in a couple different ways and you know they're not paying any markup and I think I'm a pretty big favorite despite my spew I think I'm a big favorite because I just I'm a soul reader and I'm you know quick thinker and you know whatnot uh, so I, I want to win 60 percent and um, my goals are 61 22 40 60 percent of um, my sessions on stream I'm three of five on the year I'm right there 120, that means I want to get down to 120K debt. Been carrying this debt for fucking seven years now. It's at 192, 275. I got work to do, but I could probably create a couple habits to get that down. Maybe I just have to pay off some debt every month, no matter what my month is, and just scramble and make it work. I don't know, but I'm just telling you where we're at. And then 240, so 61, 20, 240. Um, 240, I want to weigh 240 or less. I, ideally, I'd weigh, you know, under 200 probably. But uh, it's real tough with my schedule. I work every single day. That's not an exaggeration. I work every single day. I need to build in some exercise. It's just tough um, with my schedule. And also... I end up staying up super late and don't have time to eat until like three in the morning. And that's not good eating before you sleep. I weighed myself before I hit record 259.6. So I got to drop 20 pounds and you know, all of that, all, all 55 minutes of that is just the story. Mm -hmm.